الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ويوم حنين إذ أعجبتكم كثرتكم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم the next um, section uh, is so this is the ninth principle in the text the eighth principle according to our schedule and this is on ujub uh, which uh, translates as self admiration or thinking of yourself highly so admiring oneself ujub so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran wa yawma hunaynin id a'jabatkum kathratukum on the day of hunayn when your great number pleased you he sallallahu said wa hum yahsabuna annahum yuhsinuna sun'a while they think that they are doing well and he allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said fala tuzakku anfusakum do not claim yourselves to be pure. He is more knowledgeable of whoever is, um, whoever has taqwa. Okay, so Arjub, the pro- so some hadith about Arjub. The Prophet ﷺ said, There are three destructive characteristics. Stinginess that is obeyed, um, caprice that is followed, and a person's self-admiration. Ibn Mas'ud anhu said, Destruction is in two things, despair and self-admiration. He, compi- he combined these two because a desperate person does not seek happiness due to his despair, while a person who admires himself does not seek it due to his belief that he has already attained it. So these are the complete opposite extremes, and the believer needs to strike a balance. So on the one extreme is a person who's in despair and doesn't think highly of Allah's mercy. And that person, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a major issue for a person to think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not merciful enough for him or that his evil or his sins are not able to be addressed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's a major problem and so that's one extreme and that often leads and, and it's almost a sense um, where, you, where you feel completely deflated and then the opposite is when you're completely inflated and you uh, ha- you admire yourself so much that you don't depend on Allah's mercy because all you see is the good in yourself you, you are blinded to uh, maybe what's not good. The Prophet ﷺ further said, If you did not commit sins, I would fear for you what is greater than that. Self-admiration. Self-admiration. Again, Prophet ﷺ said, If you didn't commit sins, I would fear for you what is greater than that, which is self-admiration. Self-admiration. Look, when a person commits sins, they have left the door open for them to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and repent. So, not so much a problem because that door you could say is always kept open by the person but when a person has ujub they admire themselves they've shut the door because they are in their own in their own state of mind thinking that they are uh, that they don't are not dependent upon Allah and they're independent and they feel so good about themselves that they never feel, they never feel like they need the they, they never feel like they ever need to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, for his mercy um a man looked at Bishr bin Mansur and he was, as he was prolonging the prayer and performing worship well. Uh, when he finished, he said, Do not be deceived but by what you have seen from me. So a person was praying, he prolonged his prayer, and after he knew that a man was watching him. So afterward, he went to that person, he said, When he finished, he said, Don't be deceived by what you've seen from me. For indeed, Iblis worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and prayed for thousands of years, and then he became what he became. So this Salah, don't think, don't think highly of it. Um, and I'll, you can see the difference here. He's not 
the person who was worshipping wasn't doing this to show off his uh, ibadah. So that would be riya. He didn't have riya. He wasn't doing it because he felt he was better than the other person, which means that he didn't have pride. He wasn't doing it because he desired to win over that heart of that person, which means he doesn't have hubbul uh, jah, which is love for status. He was uh, basically, uh, he, he basically in his own mind, he, he basically was conveying this message uh, that, look, I don't think I'm anything because of this. Iblis did this for thousands of years. So the reality of self-admiration, the reality of self-admiration, meaning the definition, is to magnify the self and its characteristics, which are blessings, and to rely on them, while forgetting the bestower, the bestower of blessings and feeling secure about not losing them. I'll say it again. If the reality of self-admiration is to magnify the self and its characteristics, which are, in, which are actually blessings, these are blessings from Allah, and to rely on them, forgetting the bestower of blessings and feeling secure about not losing them. So let's compare because there may be in your mind, because we've covered now so many diseases, there may be a little bit of confusion. So we talked, for instance, about love of status, right? The love of status, we said, is a, that a person feels, um, no, a person desires to win over the hearts of other people so that they then become uh, able to fulfill his desires. So for, for instance, he, he desires status because with status then people will serve him, they will... Uh, they will show some deg higher degree of respect to him. It isn't that he necessarily thinks he's better than the people in front of him. He just desires status because he wants to win over their hearts so then they begin to um, appreciate and come closer to him or to her. Does that make sense? So that's love of status, hubbul jah. And then, we say, and then there's pride. Pride is when you feel that you... <coughs> pride involves two people. It involves you and one other person or you and a group of other people. If you have pride, then you feel that you are superior than someone else. Okay? So it involves two people. Love of status involves you and other people or multiple people. Pride involves you and at least one other person or multiple other people. And in that case, you feel that you are actually better than someone else. And you feel they're lower than you. Or you have takabur uh, or kibir. And then you have... Uh, and, so then you, and then now you have urjub. Urjub involves yourself only. There's no one else involved. You don't have to feel you're better than someone else. You don't have to feel... Uh, that you want to win over someone else's heart. This is about how you perceive yourself to be. This is how you perceive yourself to be um, given this context of us being the creation of Allah. Does that make sense? Because I'll stop here. If it, I'll, I can explain it further if it doesn't make sense. So it's a form of self-deception. Uh, it's exactly. It's a form of self-deception, right? So you could deceive yourself by being in uh, constant despair. So that would be the other complete opposite extreme, and you could deceive yourself by being by constantly admiring yourself. Does that make sense? The distinction is clear. Okay. Um, so then he goes on. Uh, if in addition to this, so he gave, we give the definition that it's the it's to magnify oneself and your characteristics. So, if in addition to this, a person sees himself as having some entitlement or position with Allah, then this per, then this is called conceit. Um, okay, the sign of conceit in uh, in in Arabic it means idlal, uh, is that a person is amazed at his supplication being rejected and at the good condition of the one who annoys him. Self admiration is the cause of pride. However, pride requires someone else to be arrogant towards, while self admiration is conceivable individually. Okay, so it's conceivable individually, and maybe some people maybe some people suffer more from pride, some people suffer more from urjub. 
um, and maybe this isn't the best example, but what comes to mind sometimes is somebody is very, is very skilled at something, right? Let's say they are a really good athlete. They, they're really good at basketball. They have this complex about themselves that they genuinely feel that they're something special, that this talent of athleticism is, has, is something that they conceived on their own, and, uh, and it's completely their own, uh, it, it's, it's all in their own mind. Um, and they sometimes will walk with a, with a certain, they walk a certain way, they talk like a certain way. Um, they, 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 they don't even need to interact with people to, to get this feeling. I'll give you another example. I mean, for, also related to athleticism, but someone who's, um, sometimes you see this, sometimes someone's very into lifting weights or working out. And they're so obsessed with it because they're obsessed with themselves that they have this perception that they are something. And this is true. And, and their ability to physically develop themselves is completely independent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, right? It's this heightened self, uh, sense of the self. So, and there's many examples. You can take this sometimes, um, uh, someone's very intelligent and uh, they apply this to their school, their schooling as well. They think that all of their talents, all of their intellect, everything is a result of them and they feel that they aren't dependent upon anyone else or anyone or even the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're constantly in this sense of self-admiration. That I am, I am, I am something. You know, I'm not better than someone else, but I am actually something. And I am something not because Allah Taala has empowered me to be something. I am something because of who I am and the efforts that I put in and the time that I put in. Okay. The sign of conceit. Uh, so okay. As for one who sees Allah's blessing upon him through some deed, knowledge, or anything else or who fears its cessation and rejoices in Allah's subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing simply because it is from Allah, he is not guilty of self-admiration. So the subtle difference between a person that has urjub and a person that doesn't have urjub, it's not that a person that has urjub doesn't uh, feel like they have some talent or some good quality about themselves, but they directly attribute that quality to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You understand the difference? So. Rather, the person who admires himself is someone who feels secure and forgets to attribute his blessings to the bestower. So when you get, when you get this false sense of security, because uh, this, this blanket that you've put on yourself, uh, that's what, where the problem is. But the moment, the moment you attribute whatever, whatever, you've, whatever you've received or whatever you have to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that doesn't fall under the category of urjub. So it's not that you can't, you can't feel... So, some, so the, 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 the challenge is that if a person you know, never feels empowered, and they always feel that they're nothing and they always feel like they don't have anything good and they're weak and they're feeble and they don't have intellect, they don't have athletic ability, they don't have beauty, whatever it might be. The, the, the challenge, the, the problem potentially is that that affects a person's self-esteem, right? People with, that have low self-esteem, this is the issue. They're always thinking that they don't have any ability to interact with people. They don't have the ability. They're not intelligent. They're not smart. They're not wise. They don't have any good qualities, any good characteristics. Um, and that's then that's a problem to have low self-esteem. On the other hand, when a person empower feels that they are empowered or feels that they have talents, but yet they attribute it to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, now they, uh, if anything, they have very high self-esteem because the drive is coming from somewhere else. It's not coming from their own nafs. The drive is coming from behind them, from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Does that make sense? So. Okay, so then the treatment of self-admiration. Self-admiration is pure ignorance. Therefore, its treatment is pure knowledge. So if you recall, essentially all of the prior evils, Imam Ghazali says that the uh, treatment is both knowledge and practice, right? Knowledge and practice, ilm and amal. 
This is, I think, the first time that he says self-admiration is pure ignorance. This is true. This is completely in your head. There's no, there's no like practice per se that you need to do. This is you just have no real understanding of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That's the reality of it. It's pure knowledge. Um, if a person admires himself, is if a person uh, is um, if a person admires himself due to strength, wealth beauty or some other affair that is not attached to his choice then it is also ignorance these things are not for him so he should not admire the one who gave him that thing without him deserving it um, so this is Imam Ghazali is referring in particular to admiring yourself due to let's say some physical or you can say dunya we outward attributes that you have he should also reflect on the fact that the loss of that blessing is an imminent threat and a consequence of the least bit of illness or weakness. So again, if you admire yourself due to strength, wealth, beauty, or some other affair, we have nothing to do with this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has designed us perfectly, uh, uh, perfectly, uh, precisely He's designed us. He's the one that's given wealth, strength, etc. So this isn't even my choice. So if I'm thinking that I'm something because of this, then that's complete ignorance, complete jahiliyyah, what Imam Wazadi is saying. Um, and he said that, you know, and recognize that you can lose it at, at any given point, at any given point in time. Someone can hack into your bank account and you can have three and a half million dollars in there. And somebody hacks into your account and or they let's say they steal your identity and they take all of that away. And you don't have, a, you know, uh, you, you don't have the means to get that back in. A, you go from someone uh, of, of, uh, of, of extreme wealth to, to bankrupt in just a matter of seconds. Right. If someone, for instance, um, let's say someone's body uh, they've really, really been working toward building their body again self-admiration and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afflicts them, afflicts them with some rare disease like a muscular dystrophy or something then then that you're completely your ability to sustain that is completely gone it take, Allah ta'ala gives you an illness and then you're gone we give the example of someone who gets admitted because of uh, a really bad infection and they're in the ICU it's just a matter of a few days you're afflicted with this illness and all of those things that gave you ujub I mean they're completely gone Okay, so he's saying basically for the, from a dunyawi standpoint, it, you never made this decision anyway, so don't attribute this to yourself. Um, so then he continues. If a person admires his knowledge or deeds, now from a dini standpoint, if you think highly of yourself because of your knowledge or deeds, and what falls under your choice, then he should reflect upon what facilitated those deeds for him. And that they were not facilitated except by a limb. So our salah, for instance, we, we perform it in many different positions, and we are absolutely dependent upon the function of our limbs. Um... Limb, ability, will, and knowledge. So, for instance, our knowledge of uh, our knowledge of, of coming to Ertikaf, for instance, right? Where did that come from, right? If we think that we are we admire ourselves because you know I'm something, I came and spent time in the masjid. Even if I don't think I'm better than other people, I just for myself I feel this inflated s uh, sense of of the self. Well, where did the knowledge of Ertikaf come from? Okay, it came from the Prophet and That's how we know about it. Okay. But then where did the prophets that Allah already, well, why did the Prophet do Ertikaf? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to do Ertikaf. So it wasn't for, if it wasn't, if it weren't for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's design of deen, then we wouldn't have any deen to follow. So ultimately that goes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anyway. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. Uh, the key to action is the imposition of will and turning away from all diversions along with the complete physical capacity, all of which is in Allah's hands, uh, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hand. Consider... If the key to the treasury was in the king's hand and he gave it to you, and you took money from the treasury, would you admire his generosity when he gave you the key without you deserving it? Or would you admire your full capacity to take it? Right? Would you say, wow, I'm the man. I, 
I just got access to the uh, to the to the vault or to the safe, or, and I get all the money. Or this, you know, but the key, the, the king is the one who gave you the key anyway, and and the money wasn't yours to begin with. It was the treasury that he blessed you. So what are you gonna do? Are you gonna spend time as you walk out and be and and, and walk kind of with this inflated sense of yourself, or are you gonna be like, thank you so much? You're gonna say thank you so much because the source of the wealth was from the king. The key. To, the, to even doing this, meaning that tawfiq for us to perform deeds came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The treasure of deeds in general, the treasure of the sunnah, the treasure of the Qur'an, these are all revelations by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's no way we could attribute, we, we could feel a, a sense of self about this. Okay. Um, so what real capacity is there other than being put in position? Meaning Allah ta'ala has put us into this perfect position. Uh, those whom okay, so the, the next section, and actually this is a short section. So, um, those who make a gift of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala the reason for deserving another gift. So there are people who make the gift of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala their reason for deserving another gift. Among the truly astonishing things is that a rational person, and the rational person, Imam Ghazali, tra- uh, this is translated from the word from uh, an aqil, someone who has uh, intellect, that a rational person admire his knowledge and reason. To the extent that he is astonished if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala impoverishes him and enriches someone who is ignorant. If you can't hear in the back, you can come to the sides. I know the, the, the vacuum is on in the back. but So again, among the truly astonishing things is that a rational person, someone of intellect, admires his knowledge and reason to the extent that he is astonished if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala impoverishes him and enriches someone who is ignorant. He says, how can Allah spread blessings over an ignorant person and deny me? How can Allah spread blessings over an ignorant person and deny me? So, for instance, a person decides to tread the path of deen. They want to become close to Allah. They want to fulfill the requirements of this deen. And they do all of these things and they look around them and they see the people that are that are not following deen are getting all these blessings. They're getting a good job. They're getting into good graduate schools. They, they have all of these quote-unquote blessings of this world. And the person begins to ask, well, I don't get it. I'm on the path of becoming close to Allah or I have Iman why is it that uh, I'm not getting these blessings why not me so Imam Ghazali said he is answered how can he provide you meaning how can Allah Ta'ala provide you with knowledge and reason and the not- sorry sorry so now we're continuing the person is thinking in this mind um, let me make sure I, I, I go over this properly Okay, yeah. So the person asks himself, how is it that uh, uh, like I've been doing all of this, I'm trying to become righteous, and uh, but yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is spreading blessings all over these people that are ignorant and that don't have an understanding of deen, nor are they aiming to practice deen. Um, so he is answered, well, you should think about it the other way. How can he provide you with knowledge and reason and deny them to the ignorant person? This is a gift from him. Do you make it a reason for deserving another gift? Rather, if he combined in you both reason and wealth and denied both of them to the ignorant person altogether, that would be more worthy of astonishment. That if he only gave put give everything to someone and gave nothing to anyone else, that would be that would be uh, something that should astonish us. Then this this will all make sense here. The rational person's astonishment at this is just like the astonishment of someone to whom a king has given a horse while he has given someone else a slave or a servant. The former asks, meaning the person who has the horse, um, and uh, a horse is considered to be like the Mercedes Benz, right? So that's like a real, a real blessing or a real uh, sign of wealth. So the former asks, how could he give 
no. Uh, the former asks, how could he give a servant or slave to so-and-so when he doesn't have a horse and deny me when I own a horse? Uh, he only came to own a horse through the king's giving, yet he makes his gift a reason for deserving another gift. This is quintessential ignorance, right? So the, basically the point is that, look, that if you have uh, the deen in your heart and if Allah Ta'ala is guiding you to a deen, and it's essentially as if he's giving you a million dollars, essentially as if he's giving you a million dollars. And if, for instance, someone is also given the dunya, that person is given a hundred dollars. So are you going to lament over why don't, why, do, why don't you also get $100? A person who's a millionaire isn't counting, am I going to get $100? Why did that person get $100? Why is this person getting $50? There's no comparison. They're not even thinking about it. They are a millionaire. Why are they going to think about you know, something far less important or something far less valuable? You don't look in the other direction when Allah has given you deen. You, you are thankful to Allah Ta'ala that He's given you deen and you never look at anything from the dunya because the dunya has no value. You can't the, the, the deen and the deeds that we perform it's like a currency on the day of judgment when we have to pay for Jannah we're going to pay in the currency of deeds and if we perform deeds we, we're multi-millionaires we're billionaires in terms of the wealth that we'll have on the day of judgment and if, if, but the currency of this world you can't actually translate that you can't pay for Jannah with, with a thousand with with dollar bill on the day of judgment it doesn't go anywhere you can't show your bank statement look I have a million dollars how much does Jannah cost take this I'll transfer it all into, into your account it doesn't work that way Instead, the truly rational person, the aqil, is always amazed at Allah's grace and generosity from whence he gave him knowledge and reason and provided him with the means and capacity to worship without any entitlement from him. It should have been that Allah Ta'ala had some expectation that, look, I'm only going to give you a million dollars, meaning the deen. I'm only going to give you this, something of this value if you prove yourself to me. Prove yourself. You know, you have to pray tahajjud for the first five years of becoming Muslim consistently and not miss a day. And if you can maintain this, then I will give you deen. Or you have to give away, you know, 99% of your wealth to some righteous cause. And if you do this, then you will be under the fold of deen. Right? That's what the requirement should have been. So in saying, instead, the truly rational person, the aqil, is always amazed at how Allah's grace and generosity from once he gave him knowledge and reason and provided him with the means and capacity to worship without any entitlement from him. He denied that to another. Meaning, the other person who's gotten the dunya, Allah Ta'ala is denying him of that. He denied that to another, subjected him to that which calls to corruption, which is sin, or which is uh, disbelief, and compelled him to it by turning away from him that which calls to good. And all of this was done without any crime on their part. Without any crime on their part. You know, a person, they, we look, so people often ask the question that, uh, you know, why is it there are people who are really good in this world, and uh, uh, for the most part they're good, etc., and yet they're, yet they're, they'll potentially be punished in the hereafter, right? They're, but they're, they're doing good. But the, the, the uh, and they never committed a crime on their part. So you can look at it from the angle of why did Allah Ta'ala design things this way? You're looking at it from the, or you can look at it from the angle that, Alhamdulillah, thank, praise be to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala that He didn't test me with that. He didn't, He, uh, he didn't put me in that situation. I'm not deserving of it at all. So now anything I do or anything that I do is because he's allowed me to do it. Does that make sense? So that's, that's, how, that's our understanding. If a person truly witnesses this, then fear will overcome him. His ghalaba alayhi al-khawf will become dominant over him. He might say, fear, fear in the sense that fear that you might lose this ability to, to then become close to Allah. If you begin to think, uh, for instance, you know, why is it that you know, I've, I come here and I spend 10 days in Irtikaf. 
I come and pray in the masjid five times a day. I've been reading Quran every single day, three hours, and yet I'm still not getting into the school of my choice. I'm still not getting the job of my choice, right? So maybe that thought will come to mind. Uh, but if a person truly witnesses this, then, then fear will overcome him. He might say, Allah has blessed me in this world without any means in my part and singled me out with it to the exclusion of others. Look, think about it the opposite way. How is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose me out of everyone to come and spend i'tikaf in the masjid? Right? I mean, and what did he do? He, he, he let people get lost in the dunya outside. Look at the rest of the world. I mean, everyone's just running around in circles. No one has true purpose. People are literally just driving in the morning, coming back in the evening, and they're just chasing the false vanities of this world. And there's no reality to any of this. We should be thinking how merciful Allah is that He allowed me, He granted me the tawfiq to recognize the value of deeds and the value of becoming closer to him. And I, it had nothing, I have nothing to do with it. I mean, yesterday I was, I was out on the streets doing the exact same thing that the rest of the world was doing, chasing after things that, that have no meaning, you know, chasing after food and drink and, and women, womanizing and alcohol and, uh, and, and just pers the pursuit of the dunya. What, what did I do to deserve this? So a per if a person truly, then fear will overcome. He'll have this constant fear Allah has blessed me in this world without any means in my part and singled me out with the exclusion of others. Whoever does the like of this for no reason must be quick to punish also without any crime or reason. Look, if Allah Ta'ala has brought me into the deen so quickly and opened up my eyes and my heart to the realities of, of this world and He did it without anything that I did uh, in the past. Like there was no special dua that I made. Allah Ta'ala just kind of made this happen for me. Well then I should also fear that if he did this without any requirement, well then he can take it away without any crime or punishment on my part as well. I don't have to necessarily fall into sin and sin and sin and then begin to question Allah and then leave the deen. He, this could happen irrespective of that. What shall I do if the blessings upon bless, bestowed upon me are a plot or a gradual misguidance? <laughs> this is what's frightening. You know, there's a hadith of the Prophet where he says, um, um, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will aid the work of this deen by a uh, transgressing, oppressive person. Like, Allah ta'ala is not dependent upon people necessarily of piety or taqwa to advance his deen. So, we should be thinking, well, you know, if Allah Ta'ala, for instance, is using me for the responsibility of deen, is it because I'm actually one of those fujar, I'm a fajir, I'm a transgressor, and I'm just this big show, and that I, I, basically I'm just a tool that's being used to propagate deen, and then when, when that responsibility has been done, then I'm going to be taken right back to my life of misery and disbelief. That should be our attitude, that at any moment in time, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can, can just take this away For instance, like Allah ta'ala wants to build a masjid, right? And then he, uh, he uses you as a tool to build that masjid And he gives you the tawfiq to do it And in your mind, you know, you're thinking Wow, I'm something, I'm something, I'm doing this Well, he gave you the tawfiq to do it And you never thought about doing it before In the same way, he can, give you the, he can take that completely away from you And that fear is always, he says That fear is always dominant upon that person That, wow, what if uh, what if I've just been used as a tool to propagate something, to build a masjid? To I'm I'm the tool that's being used to uh, serve 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 a, a group of orphans in an orphanage, and once they've now been served, I'm now going to be sucked away from Deen completely. 
that's 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 definitely a possibility. Allah Ta'ala works in mysterious ways. Now, our hope is that we're never used as that kind of an example and that, that these sorts of things are a sign for that you know that we're becoming closer to Allah and we're not that, that won't be taken away. But this is what Imam Ghazali is saying that what if what shall I do if the blessings bestowed upon me are a plot or a gradual misguidance for me? Right? This is the means by which I'm misguided. This is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَبْوَابَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى إِذَا فَرِحُوا بِمَا أُوتُوا أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بَغْتَةً We opened the doors of everything to them until they rejoiced in what they were given. Then, um, uh, we took it away from them unexpectedly. We took it away from them unexpectedly. And he also said, سَنَسْتَدْرِجُهُمْ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ We will gradually misguide them from where they do not know. We will gradually disguise them from misguide them from where do they not they do not know. So we have to be very mindful of this. And one of the du'as that we always make to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us on deen until excuse me, until the day we pass away. We we never we are never content with our state of Iman and even if we are one hundred percent where we want to be at this very present moment. Like Alhamdulillah, I'm doing I'm fulfilling the Sunnah, I'm coming to the masjid, I'm 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 giving my wealth uh, for righteous causes. And uh, I'm fulfilling the rights of others. We are never content with that because the possibility of Allah misguiding us from where we don't even expect it to come from can occur at any point in time. There are people who go in the path of righteousness and then that actually leads them to misguidance. So we have to be very careful of it. And um, th this is the end of this section. But one of the ways by which a person can protect themselves from this from ever happening to them is to always be grateful, right? Allah says in the Quran, "In shakartum la azidannakum." If you are thankful to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, in shakartum la azidan, Allah will increase you and give you more and give you more and give you more. So rather than um, self-admiring oneself, recognize that everything is from Allah. All goodness is from Allah, and anything He's ever bestowed upon us is from Allah. So we are grateful and thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and we thank Him every single day for this. And inshallah the hope, the, the, the hope is that because of this, that Allah ta'ala will keep us on iman until we pass away. So this is uh, the end of the section. Um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from, uh, the, from ujub and anything related to ujub. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to always attribute any goodness that's come, uh, that's come to be a result of, uh, of, of Him. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, allow us to purify our, our hearts from any diseases and any illnesses.